feels redundant if, if you do it and I don't do it. Okay. Okay, we're recording. We're recording this reflect for like, that's a terrible intro though, isn't it? Oh, we yeah, don't terrible. use this as an intro, obviously. This is uh this is a, a tester. This is the intro for us before we do the intro. You've now explained this so many times that I think you are gonna use this as the actual intro. I don't think yeah, I, I was am. gonna say this is now the intro. This because uh, it's now gone on so long we have created a metatextual start. <laughs> Which is appropriate for Reflect. Okay. Um, right, so here we are. We are reflecting Sans Ali. R.I.P. Pour one out for Ali. Sorry, Ali. Where is Ali? Tom, where do you think Ali is? International Man of Mystery. I think he's, I think he's currently um, floating in a barrel under the cover of darkness oh. along the Indian Ocean. Okay. I thought you were going to say down Niagara Falls, Ali, that woman who did that once. <laughs> that woman. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, of some fame. That's, that's why she did it. That's why she did it to be no remembered so, alive, so clearly. So that some guy in 2022 could be like, I think some old woman did that once. Why is she now old? <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way to survive. You've got to have some the brittle hags. bones. Some brittle bones. The only way to survive. <laughs> they break and then reform as you go down. It's uh, it's all part and of the process. Repeatedly breaking repeatedly. and reforming yes. as they go yes, down. Yes, absolutely. Right, okay. like, like Hayden Panettiere I, and listen, Heroes. Listen, David, I don't oh, have the time. Great reference. To, yeah. Ooh, Heroes. Nice. Okay. David, where is Ali? Because um, you well, know for sure, don't you? <laughs> so um, I, I, the other night, I actually, I woke up oh. uh, after a dream. And oh, it was hello. such an intense <laughs> and real dream that I had to message Ali. Okay. And I was like, I genuinely thought that I'd gone to the pub the night before and Ali had come out to me as bisexual. And I woke up and was like, God, what an exhausting night out I had, you know, really dealing with Ali's journey. And then messaged him and was like, that was a dream, wasn't it? That didn't actually happen. And he was like, yes, because we haven't seen each other in person in days, weeks, months. Um, so I think that actually he's lying to me. And at this moment, he's uh, sat on a cliff ruminating about whether me and him are going to become an item. You saw a woman in a barrel fall off Niagara Falls and thought, maybe it, men, uh, maybe that's also for maybe me. Maybe men? Maybe men. He saw those brittle female bones <laughs> shatter and rebuild. It was oh, like, not for me. No, Hayden no. Panettiere, not for me. <laughs> Or, or yes for me, depending. You know, you know he's, he's running the spectrum. The Kinsey scale allows for all broken cheerleaders. Um, exactly. So, Ali, we'll, we'll see you very soon. See you for the next episode. But for today, it's just us three. Uh, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. Make, I feel like we're we'll the troublemakers out. of the group. The today. scamps. The scamps, yeah. the scoundrels. You know, nice Ali with his nice Irish man who tries to do the nice thing, even if he's in the grey. He's not here today, and who's here? The, the people the people who hold the knives, the people who beat their Pokemon, the people who... Assault children. Assault yeah. You know, this is this is the crit dit, bad, the bad boys. Can we say the that? Can we boys, assign yeah. that to ourselves? I think so, sure. We yeah. can be the bad yeah. boys. I think, yeah. yes, maybe sure we can be the bad boys. Not when you talk in that voice. <laughs> <laughs> not when you talk like Mel Gadroik. We can't be the bad boys then. <laughs> um... Where to start, Tom? Where to start today? This is a reflect for Baneful Bunker, the first yeah. half of season four, and also the the standalone episode Reversal. Mm. Just so I'm mm. I'm clear on where what we're talking about. Should I should I take the stand? Is please, that where if, if you if yes, you please, feel comfortable? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, f I, f I feel you know. And look, I love the audience. I love our Discord members. I love our Twitter followers. I love them all. But I've got a Not sense. Not Instagram, though. Oh, Screw those God. guys. Apparently. Oh, my word. What a bunch of muckers. <laughs> okay. Uh, judge, I would like to, uh, you know, schedule a recess so I can, you know, speak to my lawyer again because I really messed up that opening statement. Tom, um, why don't you include the Instagram followers, Tom? Instagram we're followers. ruined here. That was part of the strategy, Tom. I know, I know. I'm just nervous. No, I'm not nervous. I'm just, uh, I feel Guilty. that. The, yeah. I feel that the crowd. Um, the jury. 
the jury of listeners, mm. um, I'm getting the vibe from a lot of the questions that perhaps there is some, not concern. Intrigue? In, I think intrigue is the key about the direction that Brandy is taking um, <laughs> in Baneful Bunker. And I, I don't think they're criticising. I think, I think they're just, they just love Brandy. And they're, you know, they want Brandy's Brandy in a to tough be spot. a hero. And Brandy is a hero. And so I'd like to def- I'd like to take this moment at the beginning of the reflect to just the defense of Brandy Flash, if that would be okay. Is this an intervention? Oh, so wait, so this isn't a question. This is just you getting a vibe from people and wanting to make no. a pre a pre well, statement. Have yeah. you written no, no. this? It's more. I'm going to just combine because there's been quite a few questions on the Discord just about Brandy. So I'm just going to throw them in all, all into sort of one okay. sort of thing. That's so sort of like, why don't we summarize what what Brandy was going through in this arc, and then you can address that as a whole. Yeah. So I think Brandy's begun Baneful Bunker as I think all the characters began Baneful Bunker in their sort of lowest ebb of their character arcs, I would I would assume. Uh, certainly that's the case for Brandy, a case of being completely powerless in the uh, finale of season three, um, was duped by uh, a man she thought she could trust and betrayed um, her best friend, Kenny, um, because of because of her mistrust and was unable to do anything to stop anyone, including Frey or Andros or um, even Warden Vipen, who just completely managed to um, lock her in the stockade instead. And I think with that came a real tough realization that Brandy's not ready to to um, to really fight against Frey, against poker powers, and is in a world now that where. You know, people can do mad and amazing things that she has no ability to do. And there was a crossroads, which was the sort of moment with Warden Vipen, where she was looking at the picture of Warden Vipen and thinking, there's another woman who did not have poker powers, did not have anything but conviction, and she ended up dying. And I, Brandy felt like, I have a choice at this point. I can either walk away now, get, get whiskey, get get Celio, uh, Leo, uh, go with Candy or, and then leave and just, you know what, this isn't my fight, I have nothing to offer. Or really commit to the cause and to say, you know what, this will probably result and the most likely result of me joining and taking on the fight for Frey will be death. And she chose to do that. She chose that, that's the way she wanted to. And she, in order to contribute she feels that she has to improve and be stronger and that includes her pokemon in this um so that's the kind of journey that brandy is on um so far that's sort of where we've sort of set the stall out to say this is what's happening and then during baneful bunker you you see brandy um training herself her own body as well with her pokemon you know getting involved with you know pokemon battles um Pokemon training, you know, there's a moment where Wimpy punches Brandy, you know, in the stomach and things just to try and get stronger. And Brandy's also been training her Pokemon in the same brutal, in inverted commas, way, which is very um, demanding, very much like wanting them to be as good as they can. Um, And yeah, and she's reaped the rewards with um, a win against Heron and Bash in a a double double battle. Um, However... Descent is happening in the ranks now. We've seen Wimpy is sort of bought in, I think, or at least is not, un, you know, not against it. Snorleone is on board. Gary, who you know, Gary's on board with anything. He's 
completely mad. And then Meltan is sort of shown descent mm. at this point. So we're sort of seeing the cracks in this. But yeah, I just wanted to mount that at the beginning as a as a thing. So Stu, I don't know what the quest the questions. Do you want me to get any. questions up? Shall I be question just a, seeker? Just I feel like I feel like my vibe from the questions for directed at Brandy was what kind of prompted the decision for Brandy to take a sort of more sinister turn or does she realize that she is acting the same way as Gary Smoke um and I think she does not realize that she is acting like Gary Smoke mainly because her motives in her mind are much purer in that way. Yeah. I think yeah. she feels that she is doing this for the good of Formia and she doesn't like it. She doesn't want to do this, but this is how she's going to contribute because she can't summon up a gun to shoot Frey. Okay. Which actually, great idea for Ali. Oh. <laughs> Ali! Ali, get out the barrel. So Summon a gun. These are all these are all good overarching narr- narrative questions, Tom. Which mm. yes, a lot of people have been saying, "Hey, Tom, what's going on with Brandy's arc? Um, what has sort of prompted her to treat her Pokemon in this unexpected way?" Um, but I think I think you fairly clearly answered that. It's it's yeah. her her own feelings of powerlessness and trying to keep up with a world that she no longer feels she has any place in. Um, and well, and we're we're getting we're going to get to that point now where w- what is the comparison like with Gary? If say a Meltan is did it deemed not strong not enough? Not strong enough is there? So because yes. Gary Smoke, that's the big that's the big crossroads the that may mm, come up mm. of like will will there be a point where probably Meltan okay. is is like hey I'm not I'm not in this game I uh, do not want to do this and Brandy has to decide do I leave Meltan because they're too weak or is there another way? That's all well and good, but there's actually a question here from M. Joker, which is not about the narrative at all and more okay. about your battle right, strategy. Mm. Uh, why has Brandy not used her Megastone that she found in Cosmic Power uh, and stop sending Wimpy out first as they are your ace? That's why you save them for the final round of the battle. Tom, how do you respond to uh, M. Joker's cutting rebuttal of your <laughs> fight style? I think, I think M. Joker, look, here are the keys to Brandy. You, you, dri- you, you drive. <laughs> I'll do I'll do narrative. You do battles, and suddenly we've got a Pokemon champion on our hands. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah, the Mega Stone is sort of weird. I imagine Brandy is sort of training with the Mega Stone, but there's so many drawbacks. Well, we haven't had a. You have mastered the Mega Evolution. No, yet, I think that's no, the thing. No. I think we're sort because 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 Theo has a Mega Stone as well. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sort of imagining that Brandy and Theo, you know, certainly after Baneful Bunker, now that we all seem to be pulling in the same direction might be thinking more about how to use the megastone or what to do in the yeah. I don't know David what do you think of sort of well the, the sort of thing that we've thrown out there is that do we need to have mega bracelets the mega or ring. whatever the yeah. item is like I was thinking that I was like is it more interesting that there is always a drawback in our world that there yeah. isn't a point where you go and now you can just mega evolve for free and there you go you're more powerful is it more interesting that it's like there's always a, a risk there's always a choice so we can't all have Togekiss on the team, so I think, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was it's actually thinking of giving from... Togekiss a mega in our world. <laughs> That's a, it makes them weaker. It's... <laughs> Pokemon Confuse and uh, Mega Medicham and Togekiss are going to DNA Digivolve into into the Pokemon that just wins every <laughs> battle for the rest of the yes, yes. Uh, series, which is going to be I... great for me. I do like I do like Mega Stones sort of always going to have a drawback. You get yeah. incredible power for however long and perhaps through training that time can be extended 
for yeah. a number of rounds, a number of roles, however we decide to do it when we get to that point in the narrative. Because well, I can't see us deciding that at any other point other than, Stu, I want to use the Megastone now to defeat the um, giant Cramorant. But, oh, why did I say Cramorant? <laughs> well, any, any other Pokemon. But then that can insert any other Pokemon there. Very easily play into the, the arc that you're describing for Brandy, this desperation arc mm. of needing more power but not quite being enough. Like, how far does she push it? How far does she push exactly. Brandy? Um, okay, so I would say to people, don't worry about Brandy. She's 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 a good guy. She's still she will always be a good guy, always be a hero, um, until she's not. So there we go. Yeah, don't write yourself into a corner here, Tom. <laughs> she's she'll be fine, um, probably. questions for these because there's so many and I, i'm a bit lost in the yeah i usually try and just sort of scroll up okay this one is to... from this one is from smam who, who is okay. a pokemon champion um so smam asks i guess to to both of you uh what is your proudest character moment so far in the series uh and is there something that has happened with your character that you would change if you could proudest that's a fun one by series are we talking Baneful Bunker and uh, uh, Reversal, or are we talking Critical Disso? I think it sounds I think more kind it of It sounds kind of general, day. but if you've, if you've got one specific to Baneful, um, then let, let rip with that. I mean, I think for Baneful specifically, Theo beating Margot just through threatening her <laughs> is a pretty, oh, pretty that proud was, moment. That was pretty so good. good. Pretty proud moment. Yep, um, yep. So I'm going to go with that because I mean, we could go back and we could be like, oh, Theo uses a slowpoke to stop a cavalcade of of car coals and we could all go all the other amazing things that Theo's done over the years <laughs> but I think that I think that beating Margot has been a yeah that was that was the smoothest end of a conflict yeah. we've had so far in the entire podcast I would argue and actually that will then go into the thing that I wish I could change which is that for that arc I swapped out Kabuto for Barbarical and uh, if Kabuto had been there, it would have worked <laughs> yes, just as well. Yes, if Kabuto had done that. Kabuto yeah. would have worked just as well. We've finally got the we evolution that I've been craving for approximately <laughs> yeah. six months. So okay. uh, That's fair. That's good to fair. see that once again, my phenomenal nous with my Pokemon's character you need, um, You need M. Joker on your strategy team, I think. <laughs> That's what you need. Kabuto would evolve in a second. Oh. I think for Brandy, proudest character moment was probably the Hydreigon versus Wimpy when... In the in the in the Pokemon Stadium, that oh, was yeah, foul play. really fun. Oh, yeah. In foul play, that was a really fun moment to do, and it was really nice for Wimpy to get a win. Wimpy doesn't have many wins in the uh, series as a whole, but that was a really nice uh, moment. And something I could change. Oh, it's that's a really tough question because actually, yeah. <laughs> oh, do you know what? Actually, maybe <laughs> it might actually be the voice because I I I I listened back to the first you know Rain Dance one. And I go in hard on the voice. And I think now that we're in season four, I think I've re- it's softened so much to be just basically my voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I think that that is actually what I would change the character decision of deciding to go an incredibly grating voice to, uh, you know, entice new listeners. Uh, Captain, Captain Alex, Captain Alex on the Discord asks... What, what was Kenny's original in a Pokemon? If you want to share, I suppose we could we could ask, answer that one. I know Ali is not here, uh, but Ali was part of the the discussions. Um, mm. 
I mean, actually, if if you want to hear that full discussion where we talk uh, in depth about um, Kenny's original Pokemon and the, the different ideas that we had and we bandied around, I actually put that full discussion on the Patreon um, around when that episode was released um, because I thought it was quite an interesting insight into us making a very big collaborative story decision uh, in a way that it was not predetermined uh, and that just when it came up in in the podcast that we were like, right, we need an answer to this now. Uh, we all decided to kind of chuck our ideas into the pot, mix around and and see what, what stood up. Uh, Cresselia was what we settled on. Spoilers, obviously. I, I assume you're listening to the Reflect for the Having, Arc. You've yeah. listened to the Arc. Um, Cresselia was what we settled on, but there were lots of other things that were chucked in. And as I said, if, you, if you're really interested, go check it out on the Patreon um, and you can hear the full, the full discussion. You can hear Ali really try and justify why he felt Spoink was the right, <laughs> the right in a Pokemon for Kenny. I mean, I guess that that's a question I have. If I can throw a question. Oh, I, I love one. So you know, for for Arc Three, we went in and we had like a lot of like, how are we going to set this world mm. onto a story arc? And this season already, and will continue to. There are so many moments where, out of nowhere, a gigantic plot twist that we have kind of been sat waiting for an answer mm, for mm. comes up how does it feel throwing that into the room um well there's there are two ways of doing it one on one end of the spectrum was the the kenny reveal which is something that i genuinely was like do you know what i don't have a clear answer to this and also it's not my character and i don't want to go in being like hey ali this is what i think and therefore that's what it is uh, because because so much of what's going on in Kenny's mind palace is Ali's decision. I mean, Ali Ali was the one who said in the previous episode that a dark version of Kenny appears. Like he was he was the one driving that moment of the plot. Like I, yeah. there was no part of me that thought in Painful Bunker we were going to go into Kenny's head and find that out. That was just not until he brought that to the table. So I was like, this kind of has to be collaborative because mm. me and Ali and everyone were creating that moment together. Um, I compare that to a reveal that I brought to the table, I guess would be something like the Tallahassee Bingeworth reveal, which was one that I just was like, do you know what? Okay, yes, arguably Tom did create Tallahassee Bingeworth. I'll give Tom the credit there. Arguably. You shaped shaped him loosely out of clay, and then I would say I chiseled him down into a fine southern gentleman. Mega evil. (laughs) So, yes, okay, maybe Tom and I share parentage on Tallahassee Bingeworth, but... um, the point was that I felt that I could chuck something quite crucial and critical about Tallahassee to the table. And what you get with that is the joy of the reveal, of the joy of people not knowing where it was coming from and um, the, the the surprise compared to the collaborative one, which is less surprising because we've talked it out, but it does feel more cohesive as a, a collaborative podcast. Um I mean, spoilers spoilers abound. I'm not going to spoil this too much, but there is a big moment that comes up in the next arc, which I think you you know what I'm referring yeah, yeah, to, yeah. which is a bit of a bit of both. I mean, I guess it's more one side than the other, but uh, it felt right. And sometimes you've just got to go by feeling and be ready to also be ready to be like, hey, if if people feel uncomfortable with that or hate that, I'm very happy to walk it back, um, but to try it and see what the response is. Yeah. I suppose, again, it, it all comes back to having a trusting table, doesn't it? Yeah. Of people that you 
are happy to make yeah. a story with. I think it's just that crazy thing in season four that more times than ever, we will just be like, oh, wow, we've really just decided what the plot is now. Yeah, yeah, more yeah. Than and it's kind of crazy to actually be at this point where we're having to be committal. The, the, yes, the questions are getting fewer and the payoffs yeah. are getting more like, oh, we actually have to stop setting things up and start paying them off. Yeah. And that's mm. a scary That's a scary point to be yeah. at, isn't it? I mm. don't know, Tom, David, I don't know how you're feeling, but I'm feeling like, oh man, it was very fun setting things up and now we're actually having to... You well, know. What, we're, what we're learning now is the cost of improv. <laughs> yes. we, have, we have been spending those improv bucks willy-nilly and now... The treasury, the bankers the have bank come of, to, the bank of to collect. Have come back. <laughs> the bank of narrative satisfaction have come in to say, right, well, we need to collect this this debt now, um, which is kind of fun though. It's a it's a nice yeah. test because it's there is. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love improv setup. I it's so good to do that, and I think what's really nice is that I'm and I'm sure we will continue to do so is still find space for improvising even when we're answering I hope or so. trying to answer yeah. our previous improv answers rather than trying to just be like right we're gonna have to script a whole thing to sort of yeah. do xyz we'll still find the moments that can still be yeah. improvised answers yeah. um, which um, I'm really looking forward to doing because it's, it's something that we you know haven't got to do yet really absolutely i mean we've tied up little bits as we've gone along but in terms of the overarching bigger questions we know that junction is no wait which one was junction (laughs) junction Junction was the real one the calico replaced yes oh no he did get his plot tied up he liked to be locked in the storage cupboard he had a kink for bondage Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 okay so yes we did tie that up literally This is from Adam Beltane. Um, Adam, who runs the Force Majeure podcast, uh, a fantastic Star Wars actual play that you should listen to. Uh, listening to Kenny's plan in the uh, latest episode. Oh, no, this is so this is finale of Baneful Bunker. Um, so this is Kenny's plan about defeating Frey by going into a mind palace and defeating the Pokemon in there. Um, how much of that was planned from the start and how much of it is various parts of improv clicking into place so another similar sort of question um i know ali's not here again to talk about his his part in that plan uh but correct me if i'm wrong from what i can remember that was that was just ali Ali. that was just ali at the table wasn't it yeah um i mean yes the setup of chrysalia offering uh kenny a chance to get away from his powers by defeating them was just something that i came up with on the spot and then ali ran with that and was like oh wait that could apply to other poker pads as well a way to defeat Frey so that was uh, not not planned at all can we go with the question from Ellie please Tom which, which, which one of you found which one of you I'd like to go for the important one for Stu a question for you because you're the authority here okay is um, what outfit is Asta wearing as she wasn't on the promo poster oh I'm so and sorry also Ellie. what does her hair look like oh gosh okay um, the cosplayers need to know okay help me out here guys with uh, Asta's current look uh, so she would obviously she would always usually be in her traditional lab coat but as... I think now we should pick something that's easily gettable at a, at a reasonable price from various shops <laughs> could it be could it be a, a lab coat that's been altered slightly so, uh, it's like a wrap dress yeah sort of like Ooh. Diane van Furstenberg meets chemist nice <laughs> nice yes a chemist with a, with a spot of dirt from the travel and Ooh, the desperation yeah. 
yeah, that yeah. she's had to undergo. Yeah, and he, old boots, and obviously a cloak hood for yeah. her. Yes, her meeting with with Theo. Yeah, um, some kind of. Uh, Tom. So I wonder then some like some like really solid hiking boots then yeah, yeah. like big, big ready for boots. travel. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Um, things because Asta, what would Asta be if if she was going out? It would be prepared. It would be prepared, but I don't think Asta is much of a field person. So I think they were. I think they might be honey boots that are slightly too big for her. Mm-hmm. And I think she's over prepared. I think she has a yeah. very very big backpack with like. They're just kitchen equipment because, again, never camped before mm. in her life. Yep. Yep. It's yep. like doesn't know what they might need, wants to be prepared for any eventuality. So it does have a big backpack. Yes. similar to feed machine. <laughs> exactly. Hair, exactly. Hair was tight bun, but then Kabuto got on it. I don't know what Kabuto yeah. did, David. I always feel like she she looks like... I know, actually, I'm going to say that after Kabuto went to it, she looks kind of like Bayonetta. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, totally. Like, totally mm, Bayonetta situation. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Shall we? Shall we get into the next big question? Yes. What's is this? Are we, we going into we reversal? Well, we put David on track. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we're now moving a, a little bit away from Baneful into reversal, David. Uh, this is the episode that has just released, where we saw everything from the antagonist's point of view. Yeah. I played Frey, uh, Ali played Clive and Andros, and you played Adri, um, Jeremy, uh, who also tags himself a supreme Adri fan on the Discord. <laughs> asks, "Hey, David, what the muck?" Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, <laughs> so number one, I don't know if you know how it feels to constantly be asked if you want to murder people on this podcast because it wears you down eventually. <laughs> she like, uh, yes, fine. Yeah, fine. she kept asking the question over the over the years of the podcast that David had to just had to do it at some point. <laughs> once a season, Stu asks, "Do you want to make out with me?" And once a season, Stu asks, "Do you want to murder this person?" And sometimes I say sometimes yes at the same time, and sometimes I say no. <laughs> Sometimes I say, stupid, your top on. Um, oh. But in... So I think the interesting thing in that scene is that obviously, as I think I talk about in the episode, it is a direct parallel to Theo and a lot of situations where Theo has learned to not make the most reactive Machiavellian choice when presented with a threat. But also, like, it kind of feeds into the sort of severus snapiness of Adri in that episode where it's like... For me, Adri is trying to is trying to ingratiate themselves with Frey. I don't know if that's because they to are... To what end? Yeah, yeah I don't know yeah. if they're doing that for reasons to stay in there as a cat's paw. I don't know if that's because they actually believe in Frey's mission. That's not for me to decide at this moment. Mm. But I knew that in that moment, Adri did not have any other choice. Like, what is Adri supposed to do? And it also just, it just clarifies the ambiguity and the willingness to be close to power that Adri is known for. Mm. So it fitted with everything that we know about Adri. We met Adri at first betraying everybody they'd ever known. So why not that time. Yes, yeah, true. Because like, I think the reverse option is like, okay, what if Adri had said no and didn't yeah. do the murder? That's just completely against self-preservation. It's, they have no idea what yeah. would have happened yes. after that point. Whereas doing the murder in that case cements Adri's place, knows that they will gain trust the trust of a terrifying person like don't get me wrong adri is in so mucking deep like i Mm. way too deep but i i agree that once they found themselves in that position there's not there's not much choice to be made there because you've kind of already you you've already made the decision when you decided to let frey onto the ship that you were like i i'm going to take whatever means necessary to do whatever it is i'm trying to do and however conflicted, however guilty one might feel about that. And I'm sure Adri has very 
very messy feelings on yeah. the matter. I think that's the thing. I think it's it's not cut and dry. I think there's a lot going on in Andrew's mind, you know, mm. from yeah. from from having to do that. What that toll of actually taking someone's life will have on Andrew after the fact yeah. is also something that I think would be something He's to explore. Yeah. On a, on a character level, it had to be done. Like there was no other option, and it's the same with making the offering of the information about where the codex is at the end of the episode. Like it's all about ingratiation. Also, on a narrative level, it wouldn't be interesting to know where mm. Adri actually is in that episode. Mm. Like in that moment, it was like it's not interesting at the end of Act One of Season Four for Adri to pin their colours to the mast in either direction, mm. because where would we go? We'd go into another arc where we wouldn't be able to follow it. Um, and I'm sure Jeremy would love us to then go into a full Adri, uh, <laughs> a full Adri a arc. arc. Yes. But um, it was just not interesting narratively at that moment to then go, okay, we're going to learn everything about Adri. It yeah. wasn't Adri's moment to be exposed in either direction. Exactly. It keeps it. It keeps a really interesting player on the field and could still swing either way. And also have done things now that maybe the main characters will find difficult to forgive or di- or have to reconcile with mm. if if things go one way or the other like it's a really interesting as david says like narratively adri now jerembi is very key <laughs> as they always were as, as they, they always, always were. were stew's infinite plan always was the self-insert adri for months let's well let's put it this way adri's story as we've always said is not oh baby finished not um okay this is from alex um both margot and Dramox is leading on from uh, from Jeremy's question, are now gone. Should the other two Elite Four be worried? Where does this leave the Formian Pokemon League? And that's, that's a good... I think, I think in the mud is where it leaves them <laughs> right now. Because <laughs> yeah. that is, they have been, they've been humiliated. I will say, yeah. I will say, maybe not Dramoxis. Dramoxis went out went out well. Margot, or to be defeated by Theo, winless Theo oh. is... <laughs> Okay. Listen, I didn't even have to pull out Togekiss. Imagine. 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 I mean, but did we not agree in a in a joke that I don't know if I actually particularly enjoyed that there's only an Elite Three now that there's like an Elite Three. I think I I can't remember. Again, actually isn't the fourth. I don't know if this comes up in in a forthcoming edit or not. Uh, but this this might be canon that we're telling you right now. I think there might only be three. I like to think that like Boromajoral was an Elite Four member, was then raised to champion in Gary Smoke's absence, and then the paperwork just hasn't been done to get them to be the Elite Four again. Mm. So now is now yes. sort of in this weird like hanging around the Pokemon League, but still hasn't got the clearance. They need to use other people's little <laughs> cards to get into rooms. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had this chat, didn't we? That now that Reversal's come out and we've heard about this backstory to the first four. Um, well, yeah. Abon, fine. Alana and um, Nero, and obviously Gordo, who was someone who supposedly didn't return from the Meteor mission, but now we know the Meteor mission was a hoax, and the whole thing was actually about burying Gordo um, because he was... Of their poker powers, a yeah. Po- a poker powered that... Um, I think took the blame took for what, the blame what Frey did. For what Frey did, turning someone into a, a gibble. I think that was the story. Um, so now there was a talk, wasn't there, that they leave an Elite Four seat open 
He's yeah. in respect of it's Gordo. It's like a ceremonial yeah. empty seat on the Elite Four that's it's actually an, an Elite Three. It's quite an empty gesture because we know what really happened. Yeah. Um, so now it's just Tyler, basically. So now he's kind of just I mean, Tyler. Even if it was Boromir draws as well, I don't think Boromir's coming in for any major <laughs> plot moments. I don't I think, think so. Well, I, we've got uh, Gary. Yeah, Gary would, is still the champion. Watch, I would love to watch Frey attempt to, you know, lay siege to the Pokemon League with Boromir draw, the master of extending battles in there. Like That's that, a long me. siege warfare. That. Dark Wholesome asks, the show's made my son's hospital appointments and stays a lot easier and less scary for him, and I can't thank you enough for it. Oh, well, that's fantastic so to much. hear. Um, nice. And, you know, if we can provide a modicum of support in that kind of circumstance, then that is amazing. The question is, it may not have anything to do with the last two arcs, but I promised that if he had his bloods taken, I'd ask, if the Power Rangers existed in the world, what would the suits and poker powers be? Okay, amazing. Okay, now we're getting the questions. <laughs> now this is what we're here. This is why we're oh, here. Oh, well, what kind uh, of so power rangers? I guess it would po- have to be Mighty Morphin. Mighty because Morphin. I feel like that's the well, most as, interesting Pokemon. Uh, as, Alex has, as Alex has written, it's poker power rangers, which is great. Oh, yeah. Which okay, is well really done, strong. Well done. What, in Mighty Morphin, was that, what were, the, what were their associated animals? Uh, green was a bull. Great. Because that's the one that I had. Because it's the only one they had in Argos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so this is season one. So the Red Ranger was, uh, yeah, the main well, team. The, they were the... with dinosaurs and prehistoric animals. Oh, okay. So the Red Ranger was associated with the Tyrannosaurus. The Black Ranger was a Mastodon. Uh, Blue Ranger was a Triceratops. Yellow Ranger, Sabertooth Tiger. Pink Ranger, a Pterodactyl. And the Green Ranger was a Dragon Zord. Okay. So we could go quite... We could I hear go they quite... interned the bones of the Dragon Zord just after Utah uh, a couple of years ago. It's going in the Natural History Museum very soon. Look forward to that just after Dippy. We, um, we could go very straightforward, like for like, with sort of Tyrantrum um, yeah. in the Red Ranger slot. And I don't know, the Triceratops would be Bastiodon, mm. I suppose. I feel like yeah. Ali's going to want Spoink in there just because it's Ali. Yeah, oh, of course, yeah. of course. So maybe if we give Pink Ranger a Spoink. Of course, it's the pink one that gets oh, the lame Pokemon. No, no, it's no. the pink nose. Whoa, whoa, hold on. I just, can I just talk about Spoink Poker Powers for a second and how amazing they are? Not only are you psychic, you could jump like an insanely high... You have like spring abilities. So you're sort of getting two Poker Powers for the price of one. I think I would, I would pick Pink Ranger, and that's without even knowing what, what the other... This feels like you're justifying it to your son who's been forced to be the pink ranger um in the playground by everybody else and he's like oh, i only got to be the spoink one and you're like well actually i think you get two powers for the price of one there i think you'll you find i wrote to your friends and asked if you could especially be the pink ranger uh, and that they should ignore your protest to really teach you something about spoink i even really justified it by sending over your fan fiction to them all so they could have a read and really get to know how you think beth asks for uh, for me, where did the idea for Frey's dad to be Gordo come from? Um, Beth uh, in, enjoys the whole first form meteor thing uh, and and finding out the the, the secret behind that. Um, I've wanted I've wanted to do something with the first four and Gordo ever since that very very brief scene in Foul Play where we randomly went to a where did we go? Museum. We went to a museum in the Pokemon League. Ah, that museum. And found uh, an exhibit about the first four, and somebody mentioned that Gordo didn't return. And I think it was me. I think I, I flippantly mentioned that Gordo didn't come back. And David, I think, said, pour one out for Gordo. And that, has, that 
one of the best lines in the in the whole podcast. I would say that really <laughs> stuck with David me. David said it was such a solemnity <laughs> that I really appreciate. Get it on the merch, guys. Get it on the yeah. merch. Put one out for Gordo. And I was like, how can this be relevant? Like, because I've been thinking so much about like what you know what. For, for ages, I was like, what happened on the meteor? What, you know, what went down? Is Gordo still there? You know, why? Was... She was very Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, with the meteor. Yeah. Then this opportunity came around to be like, what if what if the meteor never existed? Like, that's a twist. And that the Gordo was is actually a character that's relevant to the, the story as opposed to just, you know. I, initially, I was like, is Gordo... A, a Pokemon? Is it like Deoxys or something? This is early days when I was just thinking about like stupid endgame craziness. But yeah, I, I, I was like, right, the minute you hear that someone just didn't come back, you're like, there's something fishy, something yeah, dodgy's a, gone on there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's no body, there's no like, okay. You just have to take it on, on the word of take it three as other people. That, yeah, yeah, like, oh, don't ask about Gordo. It went wrong so this this seemed like an opportunity where we had that scene between uh frey and frey's dad in the episode where ali was sort of like being frey's dad was like i have to leave i have to go you've done something terribly wrong i was like okay here's here's motivation that could be used for these these other three to turn this gordo thing around i mean it it was a bit of a fix because i had to kind of like be like oh by the way frey's dad is gordo do you remember gordo but I think the outcome, this whole like meteor, which actually is a prison, which actually became the core uh, and gives Frey her ultimate motivation, which is this like idea that her dad is not only a hero to her, but tried to be a hero for the whole Poker Power race, failed and was silenced and locked away. And, you know, but also but also considered by the rest of Formia a sort of, you know, it was actually genius from the Pokemon League to sort of keep the Poker Powers sort of happy they didn't just like murder the leader of this no no wherever, exactly. wherever you yeah. know community that Frey had come from it was like oh they were here they were a member of the elite four like it's all it's you know it's all fine but they were able to get rid of this so-called dangerous one with very they little were able to have their problem. vengeance and yeah exert their their prejudice but without any of the consequences except for Frey, who saw the whole thing uh Lightfire asks um how do you all feel about your character's development over over these arcs? We saw them hit the lowest lows and face some pretty rough situations. I guess Tom has kind of already covered that, but we haven't heard anything about Theo because Theo was in a mm. really rough spot as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we've talked about this previously on another Reflect, but obviously we we started this arc in a very different way originally, which was that we kind of skipped over the sad bit and tried to get to effectively where we ended Baneful Bunker, which is going towards the Conclave. Um, and it didn't feel right at all. And I'm really glad that we went back and hugged the bruise for everybody over this arc. Mm. Um, I think what's interesting for Theo is, uh, I mean, it's it's challenging to have an arc about somebody wanting to be passive. Mm. Like, it's a very difficult storyline to make work. And I think that going through it has muddied the waters for Theo in a lot of ways. Like... What is Theo's connection to the church now? What is Theo's connection to the trio now? What is Theo's connection to themselves, to the things they've learned, to the lessons that they've uh, gathered over the last God knows how long? Uh, So I think it's interesting going into what we're doing next because I think that, yeah, it's just been a really interesting journey to see how does somebody process the idea that they're not important 
um, mm. generally. Like that's just a, I think it's very similar actually to Brandy's journey mm. of of trying. And I think what's interesting for Theo is that they're sat in the middle. That everybody assumes of Theo as a supernatural party, but actually Theo has no supernature to them at all. Yeah, they're just very knowledgeable. And uh, yeah, I'm really interested to see where Theo goes this season because the nearer and nearer we get towards the end game, I guess, the more it's like, is Theo going to keep trying to do the right thing and not be violent and not be impulsive? Or is that going to snap at one point and we're going to see a regressive moment? And I don't know. It's a really interesting journey to be on as the person playing that character. Brandy and Theo are sort of similarly trying to process very similar feelings and probably why they end up clashing a lot and clashed a lot in Baneful Bunker is that they both went in sort of different directions with that same sense of like a loss of their own well value or that they were had anything to offer anyone at all but I, david i wanted to ask you if i could throw my own question in how Please. what what did it feel like then for theo to defeat a member of the elite four was there because you said as like you know outside that proudest moment for like theo generally as a uh, uh, for you playing theo however i wonder like was that a proud moment or like a significant moment for Theo or was that it was it because I feel like Theo sometimes feels can at the moment feel quite numb to things and yeah we didn't dwell on it a huge amount did we after it happened and I Mm. I think actually what Theo was thinking in that moment was Theo was like forcing themselves to have tunnel vision which was I only exist to serve Kenny's Mm. safety and what they were doing was just that it was like I am a heavy for Kenny let's fix this I don't think it's really crossed Theo's mind that there's any sort of wider context to defeating such an important trainer. I think also because I don't know how much knowledge of Margot's prowess Theo even has. Um, but yeah, I think it probably. I think if Theo dwelled on it, Theo would really be like, "Wow, what an impressive moment!" But there hasn't been a huge amount of time for thinking Again, about what it means. So interesting because I think Brandy defeating Heron and Bash felt exactly the same. Even though it was a win, it felt very much like it was still wasn't strong enough there you know it went down to the wire and that wasn't good enough and actually what theo and brandy kind of proved in that arc was how strong they can be you know to yeah. to to defeat such powerful trainers um themselves without the help of kenny because kenny was off stuck in the mind palace yeah. that actually weirdly we managed to sort of prove ourselves and yet the characters themselves don't see that they'd done that and which... isn't that just the case with people who are low in self-esteem? Which Always. Is generally the... yeah. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think it's really interesting that we are very similar characters, but the big difference is that Brandy thinks of themselves as a protagonist and is being told they're not. And Theo thinks of themselves as a, as a, as a servile character, but is actually being presented with a situation that they're not. And I think that it's mm. an interesting difference between the two of them to, to challenge like the fact that, Brandy's got so much self-confidence that it keeps being beaten out of them. And Theo has no self-confidence. And yeah, I think it's a really fascinating... That's why they fight so much, is Mm. that they're very jealous of where the other one is, of understanding their place in it. Exactly. And uh, Stu, if you want to talk about Kenny's character journey. Uh, Yeah. Kenny Kenny saw the Jets. Kenny turned down the Jets' stew. Big character moment there. Huge. Huge. Um... No, I, I, I can't speak to Ali, but I know that he he was also... I, I think he, he felt like Kenny was taking a battering. And I feel like, yeah, I'll take some responsibility for that. I very much 
at all turns was like confronting Kenny and Ali with painful stuff from uh, from his past, be it Dora's inert body, be that his parents still grieving the loss of their daughter and their inability to do anything about it, and him knowing that he could have done something about that. I mean, the scene after Kenny comes out of the Mind oh, Palace. I was just about where to raise David that and scene. I played Nora and Benny. Uh, mother and father. Who and I will say, David, someone shouted out Nora as one of their favourite characters. Li- yes, yes. <laughs> so congratulations. Because I would say I, uh... in terms of time on the actual podcast to, you know, response, that is the biggest that there will ever be. I just I just want to say we all think of me as the person who wanders in and just talks in their own voice to play this character who's sexy and charming and incredibly talented. <laughs> but actually, I'm a very multifaceted performer and I am available for weddings, bar mitzvahs and birthdays. <laughs> To do the Nora bit. To do the Nora bit. To just do Nora, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah. yeah, well, maybe this, this, it was a very affecting scene. I remember being in it that we both kind of were on the same page there, but we were like, let's just really make Ali feel guilty. <laughs> like, let's just be like, are you sure there's nothing you could have done to bring back our beautiful baby girl? <laughs> like, it was pretty brutal. And then we went, we led stra- straight into the, the Kenny Fest people being like, Kenny, you're amazing. Like the kind of, the juxtaposition of people who are disappointed in Kenny's, inability to do anything and those who are overly excited uh by a sort of a vapid version of kenny mm. uh probably was was pretty tough for uh, for ali to deal with so much so he he's not here he, <laughs> he's not he here anymore. To take a break i like the next question which slightly going back to gordo from um beth about yes. if gordo is poker powered um and is the meteorite then his poker powers are what's affecting the pokemon in the core but sure how is it still in the piece of meteorite that is in jockey's back i think we can hand wave magic i think we can just say poker powers are mysterious and we don't fully understand well i almost think if gordo's been under the core for so long seeped into the poker powers yeah yeah. and i'm gonna i'm going to assume that gordo is the most powerful poker powered person that we know probably that we've ever seen if they you know they had to lock him in crystalline sort of this, yes. you know pretending with the meteor that kind of thing so i'm sort of as you say Stu, imagining that this but person I, is so powerful that yeah. just their residual poker powers has affected the actual jockey yeah. landscape but so i do this... i do like this idea that there is you know that gordio gordo is the one whose whose powers are creating the weird wild space under the meteor and this whole this whole space of like pokemon acting like humans and humans acting like pokemon i mean we know that frey obviously has the ability to turn people into Pokemon. Like, yeah. she's done that. So mm. this kind of familial idea that they have this warped sense of what a Pokemon is and what a humor is really distilled in this fray lineage uh, feels appropriate. And I also, like, Dotter provide too much logic for something that I think we can say a wizard did it about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this is also a plot line fundamentally based around a piece of rock that has the ability to separate Pokemon and people. Yeah. Like, that is what the King's Rock does. It allows you to delineate or completely merge what people are. That's what we saw when we saw the flashback of Norman Norman. and uh, Gratuitous Candle. So, the idea that, like, rock is somewhat porous to poker-powered abilities is kind of established in this world. That makes sense. Um, I mean, maybe the meteorite is the King's Rock. Saying it here and now is canon. It's happening. Ooh, hello. Gordo is the King's Rock. That goes against everything we said in this podcast, (laughs) but I've just said it. I'm throwing it out there. Savage Sindane. Savage Sindane here asks, 
been listening to the podcast since the remaster of Raindance came out. So that was quite oh, well quite done, recently. Carrie Morrison. Thank you uh, very much. Yes, thank you, Carrie, for the Raindance remasters. Uh, and Sindane asks, what do you think each of you have improved the most with since starting the podcast? Oh, a journey of growth. Where, what, what do we think each of us have, have improved with? That's, a, that's an interesting one. Well, I, I know that the voice for Brandy has improved slowly over the <laughs> by podcast. Becoming just less, by becoming less, less grating. <laughs> I don't know why I thought starting off in an audio uh, thing with a sort of very irritating voice was a, a good idea. But that, that seems my kind of chaos. I feel like I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again, is that I feel like I've got better at not feeling like we're hindering the plot if we fail on a dice roll. Hmm. I think that around the time we were doing the uh, payday... Uh, if we, like, the moment where, like, Theo punches the wall and then nothing works in the room where we were trying to find the King's Rock and there was going to be that thing where there's going to be a bunch of church people behind the wall if it had worked, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. Um, yes. I think when we were doing that, it was really annoying when, because, like, improv is supposed to be a series of yeses and where the dice just goes, no. No, you're not getting through that. Uh, mm. It really, yeah. really annoyed me at times like that. Not anything to do with us as a group, just that part of the process I found very difficult to engage with because I'm somebody who constantly wants the plot to keep moving forward and the dice are the antagonists of that. But I think I've grown to accept when we just do an episode that is completely and utterly meaningless. And I think also, I think season three was really good for that because for so much of that season, I was like, where are we going with any of this? Yeah. And then you wrapped up everything so beautifully at the end that I was like, oh, okay, well, I, I like, even though I trusted everybody to begin with, I now know that even though the stakes are high, we're going to get to the end. Yeah. I just, when you do something for as, as long a time as we, we have now, I think we all especially towards the end of season three, when we were doing sessions weekly or, or once every two weeks, which was very regular, we, I just felt like we really got into a flow and we are all very good now at picking up characters and also taking characters back sometimes. So mm. just if a scene, if, if we all have that sort of feel out scene of when something perhaps needs a character that lightens the mood or is a, a sort of side character that we could explore at this point, and I think actually I was very guilty in the first few uh, sort of arcs of kind of overdoing sort of side characters. And, and actually what's more interesting here is just letting the improv kind of sit for a bit and not being scared of having longer improv scenes. Because I think we're always, uh, I'm certainly always thinking on my sort of producer editor hat of like, oh, like, we need to get to the point of this scene yeah, yeah, like yeah. What, what where are we going whereas actually sometimes you just find if you let it go on for long enough don't think about that don't think about how it's going to edit down just just do the scene and where it goes that's where it goes and mm. you only get to think about that when you're actually re-listening to it back and you find so much there's so much stuff that you 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 record and you and in the moment you think god that was i just i can't believe i said that i thought that was terrible like oh that i thought that scene was really like i don't know sometimes like it just felt really stilted and then you listen to it back and you're like oh actually there's there's a lot of good things about something that i just dismissed in my head as mm. me being bad or, mm. or or things like that and i think we all have, have are really good now at not having to jump in to fill any sort of perhaps like sometimes stuttering moments in improv as there will always be where you're just feeling it out agreed glaren 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 our, our, our beautiful beautiful paladin i know a question Gla glaren. glaren 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 asks basically just looking for a take the new pokemon that have been revealed for scarlet and violet specifically cloth glaren's got a favorite already 
Um, uh, cloth is excellent. Let's be honest. Everyone loves Come cloth. On. Cloth is dumb as muck. Like what a dumb as muck. I'm seeing a picture. Choice. What's great is that there's. I'm seeing a picture of cloth next to Armor Rogue and Cerulege, who are obviously designed to look as like cool Megaman. as humanly yeah. possible. And then there's cloth, and I just think cloth is going to be. I think yeah, he's. Cloth, I think cloth, cloth for me is Pokemon. Like those yeah, those guys. What were agreed. they? Armorog Arm and Cinderace. Cerulege. Cerulege. Gosh, you see, I can't even remember because they. There's something about the simplicity of a the name cloth, b the design of cloth, and c the fact that it just looks like a weird monster that you would see on a rock face. Like yeah. those two guys look like they would. You'd see them in, you know. Well, it looks like game. what Brandy's going to look like by the end of the the podcast. Oh, that's like end game. Some oh, kind of end game, okay. super power up sort of thing. And cloth, we're looking at the meme for the next ten years. Like the next oh, yeah. meme culture will be defined by cloth. You know, I'd say this might be a milestone. Uh, we all thought that Lechonk was going to be the great meme, and now and now we've got cloth. Okay, would you take Wiglet or would you take Armor Rogue? I oh, I thought you were going to say cloth, and I was like, that's obviously not a contest. That's but... not a contest, no, but. Wiglet is terrifying, isn't it? But Wiglet is a Pokemon. I look at Wiglet and I'm like, well, I don't know. I think I think Wiglet's a step too far. Then I think Wiglet's like a fan fiction Pokemon, like a, someone who. I disagree. I think had... I'm on the complete opposite page to you, Tom. I think really, yeah, yeah. If you're, t- yeah, those the other two look like fan designed. I me. do agree. I do agree. I think I would take I mean, Wiglet Theo over wants all. with every fibre of their being. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> yes. Beth asks for David, how much fun was it getting to play Adri for a whole episode in Reversal? Well, it was such a departure from my usual role. <laughs> no, but that's a fun question. Like, what, what was the departure? What did you feel was different and what was not, I guess? I mean, the big thing I think about Adri is that they are they're less hostile, I think, actually, than Theo. Theo is so hostile. Theo is effectively looking at the fourth wall. Theo is effectively Fleabag. Um, <laughs> That's such a take, and I love it. <laughs> Adri, meanwhile, is a little bit more inwardly focused. Like Theo, um, Adri is a little bit more present in the world, I think, generally. Um, and so there was a little bit less kind of wisecracking and a little bit more sincerity. And so that was fun. That was a really fun time to get to. But I think also, as we're only going to see more of, Adri and Theo are two sides of the same coin. And so to get to explore that other side is always very helpful for when those two characters encounter each other again. The scenes between the two of them explain the other a lot of the time. Mm. Mm. Um, but piggybacking on the back of that, actually, a little bit, uh, is Jerembi asking about the photo. The photo that Adri was carrying of Theo and Adri together. Um, Jerembi asks, do, do we think Adri's been carrying it for the whole podcast? Um, but yeah, maybe you could... What is the significance of that photo? Do we think it? I mean, well, Stu, we're really touching on. <laughs> yes, okay. That we can't really Maybe talk we shouldn't. About. We shouldn't go that far. But I think that I think what is vitally important about that photo is that it is. It's it's clear that the relationship we see between Adri and Theo, whenever they appear on camera, quote mm, unquote, mm. together, is not necessarily the relationship that either of them think that they have like obviously we've seen them kind of accept each other in ways that they never did before like when they had their first drink together like that was a yeah. a big moment for them that 
I guess suggests... it's interesting now that we never actually saw that. Like looking back, yeah. you were like, "God, that's actually a huge scene." Huge moment. Yeah. We didn't realize at the time to... yeah, yeah. that we off screen. Yeah, I think it's such a. I think it's such a fascinating dynamic of that one of. I think that we've all maybe at some point or another been the odd one out in a room who have only got through it because they have another person there as the lifeline. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, we've seen that Theo basically chose to have a lifeline in Adri rather than a lifeline in Samantha, basically, when they went mm, to the church. Yes. And what is it to be a codependent on somebody? Like, that is a fascinating dynamic. I don't think it necessarily means that it's a good or a bad relationship. But, yeah, I think that Adri's probably had that photo the whole time. Because I don't think even they are aware of whether they like each other or not. It's a huge thing that that's what they've kept in their, like, that's their... One of the few things that they've kept in their robes, isn't it? Um, yeah. As we, anyway, let's let's stray off that path before we get too deep into um, the next arc. Uh, this is an interesting Tom, uh, also from Jerome B. Oh, big, I'm an interesting Tom, thank you. You are an interesting Tom. Uh, this is in a big bank of Jerome B. questions, but I'm picking this out because I think it's quite an interesting one. Um, Tom, do you ever feel bad? I suppose David's work. Do you ever feel bad when Brandy is nasty to Theo or Theo is is mean towards Brandy and how do you ensure Well let's let's ask Jeremy's actual question. Jeremy is only asked whether I feel bad when <laughs> okay. Brandy yes, I'm is mean to Theo. And completely I think selectively removing that that Theo is ever mean to Brandy. Um but ha- but this is the important thing I think is how do you ensure that nobody actually gets emotionally hurt when you are role playing uh p- potentially um, difficult scenes together. That's a good question. I don't feel bad, ever bad, when Brandy is nasty to Theo because I, I, I'm, I feel like we're very good at separating. Generally, just you know, we're all friends and we can separate character from the person quite simply. It's harder with David because they use the same voice for the character. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, but we do have to be very careful and i think we are very careful that we don't tread into lines that probably shouldn't be crossed and i think if we were ever going to go into that territory it would prompt a discussion and which again is something i love about playing with everyone in this group is because i always think everything is up for a discussion and to talk about like okay we seem to be going into this sort of territory how comfortable are we to do this do we want to pull this thread further because it could get you know i I think we also have the benefits oh sorry just grazing your arm i like to pretend that that's an accident but um, we also have the benefit of 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 actual touch as well we Um, can i think that one of the great benefits is that the the moments when we are quote-unquote mean to each other as characters come from character stemming moments yes theo is Theo hates Brandy at the start of this season because Brandy has made a series of selfish choices while Theo feels that they have tried to learn to be selfless and that has blown up in their face, basically. It's a very... Like, that is not a dynamic that me and Tom have ever had as human beings. That is very much rooted in these two characters. However, if the plotline after that had been that Theo decides to try and convince Kenny to bully Brandy and, like, makes personal remarks (laughs) about them being like unattractive and uninteresting and boring and trying to almost like make Tom feel bad about the character they've created that would be like a very different dynamic Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I think we ever had a fight between the characters was when Kenny wanted to save Elisa and we both wanted to see her suffer and I remember that that was like the first time we hadn't all been like the odd couple having a chat Mm. and afterwards (laughs) I was like 
Oh, is Kenny frustrated? Is, is Ali, Ali frustrated? frustrated? Yeah. I don't know. Obviously, I did know because Ali is a wonderful actor that can separate character from identity. But that was like a great learning moment to be like, okay, Ali can bring real frustration to the table as an actor and it doesn't impact any of us. It's mm. it's tricky because you do have to trust each other and you do have to know where the lines are. But also I think it's a necessary part of a long-form podcast like this because if we did 70 episodes where all the characters agreed with each other all the time, it would nothing would happen. There'd be no conflict. And I also think in those moments where there is an edge where the characters are trying to not be mean but to sort of send some sort of home truths the other way i always find it's always works <clears throat> as a as a mirror back to the actual character who's saying the things like yeah brandy saying mean things to theo most of the time is more us and me specifically at that moment wanting listeners to think about how that reflects on brandy and what brandy must be feeling to say that and Theo the same like oh we, we've created this is a sort of moment within the narrative and like it's all as Stu said that these characters don't agree and they are dealing with difficult problems I and mean, I would never want to portray people dealing with difficult problems as actually like oh actually no it's 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 fine we there's there's actually no, nothing mean here at all it's all we can all sort this out mm. you know in this way whereas I'm it feels like we're doing something a bit more naturally and it for these characters certainly at least like brandy does have an edge theo does have an edge kenny is finding an edge, finding an edge we yes. are sharpening kenny slowly <laughs> he was perfectly <laughs> spherical at the beginning of the podcast and is now a rusty blade shaped into a blade the perfect blade no really really interesting question thanks Rambi. right i think we're getting towards the end now so i'm just going to do some quick fire because there's a few more fun questions uh, which don't require us to chat. Everyone else has asked a question that was minutes. not a fun question. No, no, they were very <laughs> fun questions, but just a bit more about the actual the podcast. Uh, yes. Uh, so let's let's rattle through some fun ones. Alex asks, "How old? How old is Bash? Are they old enough to drive?" Um, they've graduated from that school, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd say they have a provisional. Yep. So seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. Also, you know, she's from a rich family, so she's probably privileged, and I, I don't know. Also, there's no police. There's no police in the rich. There's no police. Is a privately also... controlled entity. <laughs> And also, I don't think there's any, like, highways in Formia. I feel like cars no. aren't, are actually quite a rich person thing. I like, agree. there aren't many cars. So I would actually Jeeps. say probably, I reckon 15-year-olds can drive. It's a bit American in that system. That, yep. And yep. she just passed very early. She's very talented in the in the field of driving. Oh, uh, sorry, we're talking about Bash. Uh, so she's not very talented <laughs> at anything. Oh, how dare you. Uh, Glaren asks, have you considered making What Would Kenny Do merch? No, but now... Maybe. Now, yes. And the Poured Out for Gordo t-shirt. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. The um, Poured Out for Gordo t-shirt. Well, I guess a mug would probably be more appropriate. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Varix asks, high school alternate universe made up of all the NPCs that haven't been used or announced yet. Are you going to do it? Um, yes. Well, there's definitely a plan of some sort, isn't there, that the listener NPCs that we don't get to by the end of the podcast, I think maybe we'll do some kind of... You know, we do like an extended episode where we cover quick fire. It's just a midsection episode where we, we connect just... all the NPCs that we haven't used yet into some. I guess a high school maybe does make sense. Just stick them all together in a school somewhere. But also, I think what the plan might be is to is to create some because we we seem to have a lot of detective characters. We also have the Odd Father, and we have 
the Dark Council of Gym Leaders as well. So we have these factions. That's a lot of plots. That are sort of, that yeah. we could intertwine and is rife to do so and yeah. to connect, which I'm sure we will do at some point. Carrie asks, is there a Pokemon that is considered normal in canon Pokemon, like a common Pokemon, that is uh, a legendary or mythical informia? Um I mean, I guess Slowking. Yeah, Slowking, right? Like that's yeah, exactly. that's our that's our our go-to there. And I guess simply Politoed cl- doesn't exist in Forbia yeah. at all. Or does he? Is that or the ultimate? I don't does know. He? No, I don't know. Did you know what? I have thought about that. It's like, what what is Poliwhirl in our world? And do do they know? Well, I guess Formi and Poliwhirl would have an alternate second evolution. Yes, I using a red card. <laughs> Polyref. Um, also, Polyref. Any, any Pokemon that you stick in Balaton could end up being a mythical. Because they, because well, exactly, you know. So just Balaton take... was so fun. Can I just shout out to Balaton because that was a listener NPC suggestion. Balaton, who came yeah. up with Balaton, Tom? Do we know? Is oh, it... that's a I, big question I to know. ask me on the fly. Do you know what? Because we didn't mention no, it in the episode, I and I was because I, I listened to the edit, and I was like, oh, someone actually came up with Balaton, and we never gave him a shout. out So I'm going to very quickly do a search. Is Alchemage? It was Alchemage. 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 Well done, Alchemage. Thank you so much for Balaton. Phenomenal. Choice. We really had fun with that in the reversal episode. Glarin asks, uh, if if you could trade one Pokemon from any of the Sofloatzels team with one Pokemon from any NPC's team, what would you trade and why, David and Tom? Trade it with an NPC. Hear me out. Okay. Go on. I'd get rid of Brobaracle. <gasps> because Whoa. I've, got two, I've got two water rock types Whoa. and I'm committed to Kabuto evolving. And who's the one who beat Margo? Oh, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> and also the sexual chemistry is a little bit too rife. Uh, if <laughs> too I'm many high honest. fives. There's too much, like, Theo's getting far too close to having a full anime harem, and it's just a little bit too <laughs> With much. the hands of Barbarical. So, listen, it's an S-rank affection at this stage of the game. Like, if... So like, I think that, that sounds we, like an erotic fiction right trade... there, the hands of Barbarical. <laughs> Very um, Mills and Boone. Okay. Um, so... I, I get rid of Barbarical, and I would swap them out for one of Mr. N's Bahiam. Oh, the, the, who are holding the portal together. Yeah, yeah. I okay. feel Bahiam oh, is a very Theo It's a very Theo Pokemon, in fairness. Tom? I think Brandy would trade probably Meltan because we know the least amount about Meltan. I think it's probably the least developed on Brandy's team. Brandy would want to swap Meltan for, at this current moment in time, an extremely strong poem. So she would like Candy's Wigglytuff, one of those. But I think she'd get Barnaby Timms's um, Ducklet. So Cuthbert Smythe. So Cuthbert Smythe. And then I I would enjoy Brandy having that tension and annoyance of a very very privileged pokemon that didn't want to get their their wings dirty there's a good one there's a good one here that said what is each character's favorite type of fiction oh a genre a genre as in genre favorite genre within fiction theos is erotic we all know it mildred is well yeah. well yeah. involved no, fair in enough community. fair enough i think brandy's is ya teen angst kind of romance see <laughs> sort of stuff and she's quite embarrassed about it Ginny, Ginny asks what kind of novelty rubber duck would you be I'd be a Stuart Clark novelty rubber duck. I, I think I might be a Tom Dale novelty rub, rubber duck. Okay. Yes, I'm an Ali Hill novelty duck. <laughs> okay. Ali, if you don't say me. <laughs> Stay on Victoria Falls. See okay. If we <laughs> Stay in Heroes. It's about to be season two. And you don't want to be there when that starts. You don't want to be there. Okay, final question. This is from Light Fire. Uh, we've had a tournament arc, but we've not had a vacation arc. What is your character's ideal vacation or holiday for our UK listeners. I think that Theo would love to go to Petra in Iran, like an ancient culture, old archaeological ruin. See that? I mean, the other ones would be like Oxford, but I'm going to say Petra in Iran. No, I'm just fascinated that Theo has 
cross the Rubicon into our world to go on this holiday. Has <laughs> <laughs> left fictional Pokemon land and has entered corporeal yeah. reality. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a big holiday. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, it's I, a big holiday. I'm assuming it's a big Theo's... They've broken reality. Their ideal, <laughs> their ideal holiday. It's not talking like renting an Airbnb like down the road from things. I also Theo's, feel like it would be weird just... if I was like Surflote Town. It's just like, I feel like we want to hear somewhere in the real world. Do you know, for context. Do you know what? You know what? Theo's accessed Mr. N's dissertation on portals has crossed into our world and has gone to Iraq. Perfect. Oh my God, imagine oh. if when we went through that portal... It was like in um, in The Simpsons where Homer becomes 3D. And we all oh, my God. real oh life my God. people. What in if the, the real twist world? is that you are Theo? Oh my God. Wait, what? That's it. Or the Wait, twist what? is that I could only exist in the world of Phobia as Sloking, and I'm trying to draw <laughs> Theo into the real world. You Many do do the Sloking voice. Oh man, it's all adding up. It's all adding Brandy's, up. Brandy's 100% is all inclusive beach holiday in like the hottest part like it's like no sun cream full oh. oiled and like oh, yeah. it's like that's me by the pool for two weeks see you later phone on airplane mode don't try and call me reading her angsty fiction reading Every her angsty is just, fiction how's the office going today yeah it's a picture of her sort of legs you know looking with the pool being like miss yeah. you guys so much <laughs> that's it Uh, Fab Reflect, thank you. Thank you for joining us on this. Uh, as always, it's incredibly self-congratulatory, isn't it? I don't know if I've shared this, but uh, these are the only episodes that Ian listens to. <laughs> because he just likes the sound of us chatting. Okay, well, hi Ian. He's like, I don't know the plot, hey, but Ian. I'll listen to this. That's um, nice. That's, it's good to know that Reflect has their own has their own, has his own audience. group. Yeah. Their own audience. Um, but yeah, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us reflect on reversal and there aren't many reflects to left to go no there probably won't be too many I mean the next arc is incomplete for us I don't think we have a name for it which is bad because after this it will start but the name will come out when that episode comes out and uh, I think you should be excited why why should they be excited for the next arc David, Tom I think there are more there are more Stuart Clark twists in the tail (laughs) yeah all I can say is Congratulations. Congratulations. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. <gasps> that's my that's my hint. Um I think that's yeah. the big hint. I think we're all gonna enjoy it. Okay. Oh wait, we do, do we need to do this because we've already we've already we've already, yeah, we've already done that. Yeah, oh we've, we've got a metatextual done. ending now. To <laughs> yes. go with the metatextual beginning. <laughs> Look at it, so what we've done is we've wrapped it all up. It's An Ouroboros of reflecting. Okay. <laughs> oh, Selectakey New York has nothing on us. Great. Bye everyone. <laughs>